Section three of the Princess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Princess by Alfred Lord Tennyson. Part two. At break of day the college portress came. She brought us academic silks, in hue the lilac, with a silken hood to each, and zoned with gold. And now, when these were on, and we as rich as moths from dusk cocoons, she, curtsying her obeisance, let us know the Princess Ida waited. Out we paced, I first, and following through the porch that sang all round with laurel, issued in a court compact of lucid marbles, bossed with lengths of classic frieze, with ample awnings gay betwixt the pillars, and with great urns of flowers. The muses and the graces, grouped in threes, enringed a billowing fountain in the midst, and here and there on lattice edges lay or book or lute, but hastily we passed, and up a flight of stairs into the hall. There at a board by tome and paper sat, with two tame leopards couched beside her throne, all beauty compassed in a female form, the princess liker to the inhabitant of some clear planet close to the sun, than our man's earth. Such eyes were in her head, and so much grace and power, breathing down from over her arched brows, with every turn lived through her to the tips of her long hands, and to her feet. She rose to her height, and said, "'We give you welcome. Not without redound of use and glory to yourselves ye come, the first fruits of the stranger. After time, and that full voice which circles round the grave, will rank you nobly, mingled up with me. What, are the ladies of your land so tall? We of the court, said Cyril. From the court, she answered, then ye know the prince. And he, the climax of his age, as though there were one rose in all the world, your highness, that he worships your ideal. She replied, We scarcely thought in our own hall to hear this barren verbiage, current among men, light coin, the tinsel clink of compliment. Your flight from out your bookless wilds would seem as arguing love of knowledge and of power. Your language proves you still the child. Indeed, we dream not of him. When we set our hand to this great work, we purposed with ourself never to wed. You likewise will do well, ladies, in entering here, to cast and fling the tricks which make us toys of men, that so, some future time, if so indeed you will, you may with those self-styled our lords ally your fortunes, justlier balanced, scale with scale. At those high words, we, conscious of ourselves, perused the matting. Then an officer rose up and read the statutes, such as these. Not for three years to correspond with home. Not for three years to cross the liberties. Not for three years to speak with any men. And many more, which hastily subscribed, we entered on the boards. And— Now, she cried, ye are green wood. See ye warp not. Look, our hall, our statues, not of those that men desire, sleek odalisques or oracles of mode, nor stunted squaws of west or east, but she that taught the Sabine how to rule, 
and she the foundress of the Babylonian wall, the Carian Artemisia strong in war, the Rhodope that built the pyramid, Clelia, Cornelia, with the palmarine that fought Aurelian, and the Roman brows of Agrippina. Dwell with these, and lose convention, since to look on noble forms makes noble through the sensuous organism that which is higher. O oh, lift your natures up, embrace our aims, work out your freedom. Girls, knowledge is now no more a fountain sealed. Drink deep, until the habits of the slave, the sins of emptiness, gossip and spite and slander, die. Better not be at all than not be noble. Leave us. You may go. To-day the Lady Psyche will harangue the fresh arrivals of the week before, for they press in from all the provinces and fill the hive." She spoke, and bowing waved dismissal. Back again we crossed the court to Lady Psyche's. As we entered in, there sat along the forms, like morning doves that sun their milky bosoms on the thatch, a patient range of pupils. She herself erect behind a desk of satin-wood, a quick brunette, well-moulded, falcon-eyed, and on the hither side, or so she looked, of twenty summers. At her left, a child, in shining draperies, headed like a star, her maiden babe, a double April old. Aglaya slept. We sat, the lady glanced. Then Florian, but not livelier than the dame that whispered, ass's ears among the sedge. My sister. Calmly, too, by all that's fair," said Cyril. Oh, hush, hush! And she began. This world was once a fluid haze of light, till toward the centre set the starry tides, and eddied into suns, that wheeling cast the planets. Then the monster, then the man, tattooed or woaded, winter-clad in skins, raw from the prime, and crushing down his mate, as yet we find in barbarous isles, and here among the lowest. Thereupon she took a bird's-eye view of all the ungracious past, glanced at the legendary Amazon as emblematic of a nobler age, appraised the Lycian custom, spoke of those that lay at wine with Lar and Lucamo, ran down the Persian, Grecian, Roman lines of empire, and the woman's state in each, how far from just till warming with her theme she fulmined out her scorn of law's salic and little-footed china, touched on Mahomet with much contempt, and came to chivalry, when some respect, however slight, was paid to woman, superstition all awry. However then commenced the dawn, a beam had slanted forward, falling in a land of promise, fruit would follow. Deep indeed their debt of thanks to her who first had dared to leap the rotten pales of prejudice, disyoke their necks from custom, and assert none lordlier than themselves but that which made woman and man. She had founded, they must build. Here might they learn whatever men were taught. Let them not fear. Some said their heads were less, some men's were small, not they the least of men, for often fineness compensated size. Besides the brain was like the hand, and grew with using. Thence the man's, if more was more, he took advantage of his strength to be first in the field. Some ages had been lost, but woman ripened earlier, and her life was longer, and albeit their glorious names were fewer, scattered stars, 
yet since in truth the highest is the measure of the man, and not the Kaffir, Hottentot, Malay, nor those horn-handed breakers of the glebe, but Homer, Plato, Verulam, even so with woman, and in arts of government Elizabeth and others, arts of war the peasant Joan and others, arts of grace Sappho and others vied with any man. And last, not least, she who had left her place and bowed her state to them, that they might grow to use and power on this oasis, lapped in the arms of leisure, sacred from the blight of ancient influence and scorn. At last she rose upon a wind of prophecy dilating on the future. Everywhere who heads in council, two beside the hearth, two in the tangled business of the world, two in the liberal offices of life, two plummets dropped for one to sound the abyss of science and the secrets of the mind, musician, painter, sculptor, critic, more, and everywhere the broad and bounteous earth should bear a double growth of those rare souls, poets, whose thoughts enrich the blood of the world. She ended here, and beckoned us. The rest parted, and glowing full-faced welcome, she began to address us, and was moving on in gratulation, till as when a boat tacks and the slackened sail flaps, all her voice faltering and fluttering in her throat, she cried, "'My brother!' "'Well, my sister!' "'Oh,' she said, "'what do you hear? And in this dress, and these! Why, who are these? A wolf within the fold! A pack of wolves! The Lord be gracious to me! A plot, a plot, a plot to ruin all!' "'No plot, no plot,' he answered. "'Wretched boy, how saw you not the inscription on the gate? Let no man enter in on pain of death.' "'And if I had,' he answered, "'who could think the softer atoms of your academe, O sister, sirens though they be, were such as chanted on the blanching bones of men?' "'But you will find it otherwise,' she said. "'You jest, ill jesting with edge-tools. My vow binds me to speak.' And, oh, that iron will, that axe-like edge unturnable, our head, the princess! Well, then, Psyche, take my life, and nail me like a weasel on a grange for warning. Bury me beside the gate, and cut this epitaph above my bones. Here lies a brother by a sister slain, all for the common good of womankind. Let me die, too, said Cyril, having seen and heard the Lady Psyche. I struck in. Albeit so masked, madam, I love the truth. Receive it, and in me behold the prince, your countryman, affianced years ago to the Lady Ida. Here, for here she was, and thus, what other way was left, I came. O oh, sir, O oh, prince, I have no country, none, if any this, but none. Whate'er I was, disrooted, what I am is grafted here. Affianced, sir! Love-whispers may not breathe within this vestal limit. And how should I, who am not mine, say, live? The thunderbolt hangs silent. But prepare. I speak. It falls. Yet pause, I said, for that inscription there I think no more of deadly lurks therein than in a clapper clapping in a garth, to scare the fowl from fruit. If more there be, if more and acted on, what follows? War. Your own work marred. For this your academe, whichever side be victor, in the halloo will topple to the trumpet down, and pass with all fair theories only made to gild a stormless summer. Let the princess judge of that, she said. Farewell, sir, and to you. 
I shudder at the sequel, but I go. "'Are you that Lady Psyche?' I rejoined. "'The fifth in line from that old Florian, yet hangs his portrait in my father's hall, the gaunt old baron with his beetle-brow sun-shaded in the heat of dusty fights. As he bestrode my grandsire when he fell, and all else fled. We point to it, and we say, the loyal warmth of Florian is not cold, but branches current yet in kindred veins. "'Are you that Psyche?' Florian added. She with whom I sang about the morning hills, flung ball, flew kite, and raced the purple fly, and snared the squirrel of the glen. Are you that Psyche, wont to bind my throbbing brow, to smooth my pillow, mix the foaming draught of fever, tell me pleasant tales, and read my sickness down to happy dreams? Are you that brother-sister Psyche, both in one? You were that Psyche, but what are you now? You are that Psyche, said Cyril, for whom I would be that for ever which I seem, woman, if I might sit beside your feet and glean your scattered sapience. Then once more, are you that Lady Psyche, I began, that on her bridal morn before she passed from all her old companions, when the kind kissed her pale cheek, declared that ancient ties would still be dear beyond the southern hills, that were there any of our people there in want or peril, there was one to hear and help them? Look, for such are these and I. Are you that Psyche? Florian asked, to whom in gentler days your arrow-wounded fawn came flying while you sat beside the well. The creature laid his muzzle on your lap, and sobbed, and you sobbed with it, and the blood was sprinkled on your kirtle, and you wept. That was fawn's blood, not brother's, yet you wept. Oh, the bright head of my little niece, you were that Psyche, and what are you now? You are that Psyche, Cyril said again, the mother of the sweetest little maid that ever crowed for kisses. "'Out upon it,' she answered. "'Peace! And why should I not play the Spartan mother with emotion, be the Lucius Junius Brutus of my kind? Him you call great, he for the commonweal, the fading politics of mortal Rome, as I might slay this child, if good need were, slew both his sons. And I—' Shall I, on whom the secular emancipation turns of half this world, be swerved from right to save a prince, a brother? A little will I yield. Best so, perchance, for us, and well for you. O oh, hard, when love and duty clash! I fear my conscience will not count me feckless. Yet hear my conditions. Promise, otherwise you perish, as you came to slip away to-day, to-morrow, soon. It shall be said these women were too barbarous, would not learn. They fled who might have shamed us. Promise all. What could we else? We promised each. And she, like some wild creature newly caged, commenced a to and fro, so pacing till she paused by Florian, holding out her lily arms, took both his hands, and smiling faintly said, I knew you at the first. Though you have grown, you scarce have altered. I am sad and glad to see you, Florian. I give thee to death, my brother. It was duty spoke, not I. My needful seeming harshness pardon it. Our mother, is she well? With that she kissed his forehead, then a moment after clung about him, 
and betwixt them blossomed up from out a common vein of memory sweet household talk and phrases of the hearth, and far allusion, till the gracious dews began to glisten and to fall, and while they stood so rapt, we gazing, came a voice. I brought a message here from Lady Blanche. Back started she, and turning round we saw the Lady Blanche's daughter where she stood, Melissa, with her hand upon the lock, a rosy blonde and in a college gown, that clad her like an April daffodilly, her mother's colour, with her lips apart, and all her thoughts as fair within her eyes, as bottom agates seen to wave and float in crystal currents of clear morning seas. So stood that same fair creature at the door. Then Lady Psyche. Ah, Melissa, you, you heard us. And Melissa. Oh, pardon me, I heard, I could not help it, did not wish. But, dearest lady, pray you fear me not, nor think I bear that heart within my breast to give three gallant gentlemen to death. I trust you, said the other, for we two were always friends, none closer, elm and vine. But yet your mother's jealous temperament, let not your prudence, dearest, drowse, or prove the Danaid of a leaky vase, for fear this whole foundation ruin, and I lose my honour, these their lives. Oh, fear me not, replied Melissa. No, I would not tell. No, not for all Aspasia's cleverness. No, not to answer, madam, all those hard things that Sheba came to ask of Solomon. Be it so, said the other, that we may still lead the new light up, and culminate in peace, for Solomon may come to Sheba yet. Said Cyril, Madam, he the wisest man feasted the woman wisest then, in halls of Lebanonian cedar. Nor should you, though, madam, you should answer, we would ask, less welcome find among us, if you came among us, debtors for our lives to you, myself for something more. He said not what, but, Thanks, she answered. Go. We have been too long together. Keep your hoods about the face. They do so that affect abstraction here. Speak little, mix not with the rest, and hold your promise. All I trust may yet be well. We turned to go. But Cyril took the child, and held her round the knees against his waist, and blew the swollen cheek of a trumpeter, while Psyche watched them smiling, and the child pushed her flat hand against his face and laughed, and thus our conference closed. And then we strolled for half the day through stately theatres benched crescent-wise. In each we sat, we heard the grave professor. On the lecture-slate the circle rounded under female hands with flawless demonstration. Followed then a classic lecture, rich in sentiment, with scraps of thunderous epic lilted out by violet-hooded doctors, elegies and quoted odes and jewels five words long, that on the stretched forefinger of all time sparkle for ever. Then we dipped in all that treats of whatsoever is, the slate, the total chronicles of man, the mind, the morals, something of the frame, the rock, the star, the bird, the fish, the shell, the flower, electric, chemic laws, and all the rest, and whatsoever can be taught and known. Till like three horses that have broken fence, and glutted all night long breast-deep in corn, we issued gorged with knowledge, and I spoke. Why, sirs, they do all this as well as we. They hunt old trails, said Cyril, very well. But when did women ever yet invent? Ungracious, answered Florian, 
Have you learnt no more from Psyche's lecture, you that talked the trash that made me sick and almost sad? Oh, trash, he said, but with a kernel in it. Should I not call her wise, who made me wise, and learnt? I learnt more from her in a flash than in my brain-pan were an empty hall, and every muse tumbled a science in. A thousand hearts lie fallow in these halls, and round these halls a thousand baby loves fly twangling headless arrows at the hearts, whence follows many a vacant pang. But, oh, with me, sir, entered in the bigger boy, the head of all the golden-shafted firm, the long-limbed lad that had a psyche, too. He cleft me through the stomacher. And now what think you of it, Florian? Do I chase the substance or the shadow? Will it hold? I have no sorcerer's malison on me, no ghostly hauntings like his highness. I flatter myself that always everywhere I know the substance when I see it. Well, our castle's shadows, three of them, is she the sweet proprietress of shadow? If not, shall these three castles patch my tattered coat? For dear are those three castles to my wants, and dear is sister Psyche to my heart, and two dear things are one of double worth, and much I might have said, but that my zone unmanned me. Then the doctors! Oh, to hear the doctors! Oh, to watch the thirsty plants imbibing! Once or twice I thought to roar, to break my chain, to shake my mane. But thou modulate me, soul of mincing mimicry, make liquid treble of that bassoon my throat, abate those eyes that ever loved to meet star-sisters answering under crescent brows, abate the stride which speaks of man, and loose a flying charm of blushes o'er this cheek, where they, like swallows, coming out of time, will wonder why they came. But hark, the bell for dinner, let us go. And in we streamed among the columns, pacing staid and still by twos and threes, till all from end to end with beauties every shade of brown and fair, in colours gayer than the morning mist, the long hall glittered like a bed of flowers. How might a man not wander from his wits, pierced through with eyes, but that I kept mine own intent on her, who wrapped in glorious dreams the second sight of some astrayan age, sat compassed with professors. They, the while, discussed a doubt and tossed it to and fro, a clamour thickened, mixed with inmost terms of art and science. Lady Blanche alone of faded form and haughtiest lineaments, with all her autumn tresses falsely brown, shot sidelong daggers at us, a tiger-cat in act to spring. At last a solemn grace concluded, and we sought the gardens. There one walked reciting by herself, and one in this hand held a volume as to read, and smoothed a petted peacock down with that. Some to a low song oared a shallop by, or under arches of the marble bridge hung, shadowed from the heat. Some hid and sought in the orange thickets, others tossed a ball above the fountain-jets, and back again with laughter. Others lay about the lawns, of the older sort, and murmured that their May was passing. What was learning unto them? They wished to marry. They could rule a house. Men hated learned women. But we three sat muffled like the fates, and often came Melissa, hitting all we saw with shafts of gentle satire, kin to charity, that harmed not. Then day drooped. The chapel bells called us. We left the walks. We mixed with those six hundred maidens clad in purest white, before two streams of light from wall to wall, while the great organ almost burst his pipes, 
groaning for power, and rolling through the court, a long melodious thunder to the sound of solemn psalms and silver litanies, the work of Ida, to call down from heaven a blessing on her labours for the world. Sweet and low, sweet and low, wind of the western sea, low, low, breathe and blow, wind of the western sea. Over the rolling waters go, come from the dying moon and blow, blow him again to me, while my little one, while my pretty one sleeps. Sleep and rest, sleep and rest, father will come to thee soon. Rest, rest, on mother's breast, father will come to thee soon. Father will come to his babe in the nest, silver sails all out of the west, under the silver moon. Sleep, my little one, sleep, my pretty one, sleep. End of section three.